Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So did Deshaun Jackson ask for a trade? Well, we talked to him today finally, and let's say this, he didn't deny it. Coach Dirk Cutter says he's still a good teammate, but is a good teammate somebody who has to be traded to another team? You'll hear from Deshaun Jackson in just a little bit. Big college football weekend ahead. you got Florida hosting South Carolina. Bad non-contact injury, however, to one of their quarterbacks, Kyle Trask, that we can discuss And Florida State has a big date at Notre Dame. Ohio State plays at Michigan State. That's probably the best national game. We've got Times college football writer Matt Baker is going to join us in just a minute. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you're like me, you're probably sick and tired of paying these high electric bills. My last electric bill was well over $300, and that's insane. Well, if you want to save 90 to 95% of your electric bill, costs listen to me now this is what you do it's may electric solar that's right they're a locally owned company may electric solar is the safest solar available does not use high voltage like other companies and may electric solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor they also use only their employees no subcontractors ever and may electric solar has a full showroom that you can see their products and they are open weekdays so stop the insanity of these out of control electric bills start saving 90 to 95% now, all you have to do is call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You call them right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. So we'll talk to Matt Baker here in just a minute about the college football weekend ahead. But um, I was over at One Buck Place, of course, the Bucks preparing for their game against the Washington Redskins, finally at home. They got five of the next eight at home in the second half. And we had a chance, finally, uh, to talk to Deshaun Jackson. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was in Cincinnati, and the report by Ian Rappaport on NFL Network was that Deshaun had asked for a trade, and this was just days before the October 30th trade deadline. And so, as I just love to do, I got to go downstairs and be a lobby possum and hang out as these guys are trying to get on the bus to go to the stadium which is always a lot of fun. And I finally found Deshaun, and he didn't want to talk about it. He kind of gave me the, you know, shook his head. And he wasn't available really after the game. He hasn't been available, um, you know, to the to the media during open locker rooms for some time. So finally he showed up on Wednesday, and we had a chance to talk to him. And, uh, and you know, and, and I asked him about whether he had indeed requested a trade. Hey, man, whatever them conversations were, that was between us. And, uh, you know, it's over and done with now. We're moving forward and got eight games left to continue to try our best to, you know, get in the playoffs and, and get on the run here. Now, that's that's far from a, uh, a denial. Obviously, it's somewhat confirmation. I understand why he doesn't want to talk about it now because clearly he can't go anywhere. He's got eight games left with the Bucks, and, and yet you can still sense his frustration over the whole situation. I mean, the Bucks are 8-16. and 16 since Deshaun Jackson showed up here. You know, this is a guy that signed a $33.5 million deal. He's 31 years old. I'm sure 
a guy that's played 11 years at his size and speed, um, you know, is starting to feel his own mortality as far as that goes. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting in that he's sort of hanging in there trying to be the good soldier, but at the same time, the question is whether or not you can, you can ask for a trade and still be a good teammate. And that was sort of the question I posed to Dirk Cutter on uh, Wednesday is, you know, because this has been a whole thing ever since training camp, Deshaun's such a good teammate. He's been such a good teammate. Well, does a good teammate ask to be traded to another team? <laughs> I mean, is that the definition of a bad teammate? I don't, I don't know why we're talking about something that's in the past and the trade. Let, you tra- ask for a trade. He didn't ask me. I, I don't, he didn't ask me about it. So you're, you're talking to me about stuff. I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know. You have any conversations with Jason Light about whether this. I have. Well, why are we talking about stuff that's that's old news? Well, because we talked about it. We talked today for the first time. Yeah. So what's my part in this? Do you think a good teammate would ask for a trade? I don't know that he did, Rick. And I've, that's about the hundredth time I've asked, answered that question. I have no knowledge of that. I don't comment on other people's speculation. But we all know uh, that that Dirk must be aware of, of whether that conversation took place in that manner. Um, and yet Deshaun's not going anywhere. And the reason why he's not is because the Bucks still feel like, you know, they have to win, obviously, for those guys to keep their jobs. And mathematically, you know, they think they can get to 9-7, and seven, even now. Um, they got to get on a roll here. They got to start winning right away. Um, but with five in the next eight at home, starting with Washington, who's beat up and has uh, a lot of guys on injury reserve. I think they just put three or four guys on after this past Sunday. They are the NFC East leaders, though, at 5-3, and three, so it's not going to be an easy game. Um, but it, it is interesting that, you know, Stephen, you probably you've been in business. You probably have a different idea about this. I don't sense that it, that the players or any of his teammates resent him for this. I haven't talked to all of them, um, but it is an awkward situation where you have a guy uh, who you're going to war with that you realize sort of wanted to abandon ship on you. Well, the question is, does he want to abandon ship, or is it simply, I'm a veteran. I don't have much more time to go. Mm-hmm. I came here thinking this team was ready to win. True. It's not winning. I want to go somewhere I can win. Plus, my contract's probably not going to get renewed for next year. There's, what, an option on it? It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. It's a, he's under contract, right. but it's not guaranteed. Yeah. So he's probably going to be somewhere else next year anyway, or most people are assuming, Pro- especially probably. with Chris Godwin's emergence. Sure, sure. That I, I, he wants to win, and I don't think I don't think teammates hold that against someone. Now, if you stop trying in your, your team – Mm-hmm. that's a different story then they might but i don't think wanting to go somewhere you know because of his situation and, and he's a veteran that's played what 10 years in the league now or, or maybe even more yeah. than that 11 11 yeah. this is 11 season. i mean he may only have a year or two left possibly it's up to I him really think. i mean he could walk away whenever he wants pretty much but so i, I can understand you know if, if you put it in from his perspective i can understand why he may ask for a trade and it may not be i hate it here i don't like it here Asking for a trade right. doesn't mean that necessarily. It can. There are yeah. certain circumstances it does. So whether he's a good teammate or not, I think it depends on how he acts in the locker room, how he is handling his responsibilities in the meeting rooms and, and on the field and how he does things. Yeah, I haven't heard that he's doing, like, you know, a year ago there were some some situations that, that coaches and others weren't real happy with as far as, you know, towards the end of the season when, when it was clear they were going to have a bad year and, and he was – you know, he got hurt and didn't play the last two games. But as far as this year goes, I haven't heard anything that would lead someone to believe that he's not, you know, doing what everything he's supposed to do to get ready to play on Sunday. And, in fact, I mean, his production has dropped off. 
Um, you know, he had two targets in the game um, the other day at Carolina and, uh, you know, one in each half essentially, um, or two catches, I guess I would say. You know, then again, he you know, they missed him on a 70-yard bomb. It just went off his fingertips. I mean, it's not like they're not trying to get the ball to him. Mm-hmm. But defenses are also trying to keep him from, you know, just ripping him over the top. So, um, you know, it's it's it, you can definitely see where he started out on fire with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then Jameis came in, didn't do so well. Now Fitzpatrick is back in this past game. He didn't do so well again. And I, I think Deshaun wants to win, but I also think he wants to win as most – players do with the ball in their hands and being the reason why you win Um, and he's always told me he told me before the season that you know it's hard for him to try to find his you know his touches uh, in an offense that runs through Mike Evans I mean we saw them force the ball to Mike Evans eight times and he had had one catch for 18 yards the other night or maybe it was 10 times and that's sort of what he's talking about but you know as, as far as Jackson goes I mean it's also probably a tough weekend that here comes Washington. Now, he chose to leave the Redskins. I think they wanted him back. He took the money and came here to Tampa Bay. But, you know, the Redskins are 5-3, and three and they're leading the NFC East. And the other team that he's attached to are the Philadelphia Eagles, probably more so because of how he left there. And, you know, a year ago they won the Super Bowl. So these are all things that weigh on your mind when you're, you know, a 31-year-old wide receiver um, who could be playing his last season or next to last season, depending on what happens after this year. So... I don't know. It's interesting to me. I, I've never I've known Deshaun for a long time. I think when he gets between the white lines, he absolutely, you know, wants to win, wants wants to play hard. But, you know, you have to also keep his interest. And that, that's sort of up to the offensive coordinator to get him going early in games. And they did that in the first three games, first four games. He had three 100-yard receiving days in the first four weeks. So, you know, but then, and then on the very first play of two of those games, it was a stick route right to right to Deshaun, you know, the the DB playing off him just to get him going. And, and that sort of thing keeps his interest. But um, he's struggling right now. He's struggling with the fact they're losing and, and the fact that he's not seeing the ball as much. Well, and defenses have figured out, look, I mean, the Bucks defense isn't going to stop us. And how no. we stop their offense is it's the big splash plays that Ryan that's Fitzpatrick right. was hitting the first few weeks and defenses have made adjustments to it. I mean, they know Absolutely. that's what they're looking for. Absolutely. There's not there's not a, a great run game on this team. No. So, so you don't wor- you don't worry that much about that. You know it's the big splash plays. It's Deshaun Jackson going down the field or hitting Mike Evans for a 15-yard gain. I mean that's that's what this team's looking to do and other teams know that. So um you know, look, I understand his frustration. I mean, when he signed here 2 years ago, first of all, you know, the Bucks won the offseason that year. Well, Oh yeah, they that, did. That didn't work, but you know, he came here thinking Jameis Winston's a young quarterback that's getting better Big every arm. year, that mm-hmm. Dirk Cutter's a, a an offensive coach, that you know, that things were going to improve dramatically and they were going to have a chance for playoffs and hopefully more than that, and it hasn't happened and and I can understand a frustration and and it's you know, whether he's a good teammate or not through all this depends on how he's handling himself in the locker room and in the meeting room and on the field. On the field it looks pretty good, but you know, obviously, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Yeah, the meeting rooms and all that, we, we won't know until he's gone. <laughs> and people will tell us. But, um, you know, it wasn't always great last year. I know that much. But, look, we'll, we'll see what happens to Deshaun Jackson. I know that, you know, they all, you always want to show up and show out against your former team, even though it was your decision to leave Washington. But I actually think the Bucks have a decent chance of winning this game. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do to fix the defense. The defensive line has been bad. We'll talk more about the Bucks as we get – closer to the weekend, but, um, you know, I, I feel like 
the schedule sort of turns for them a little bit. Had a lot of guys out with injuries on Wednesday. Mike Evans didn't practice. I mean, uh, you got certain guys like DeMar Dotson who's not practicing on a regular basis now. So they've got some guys nicked up, but this time of the year everybody is, and there's really much, not much you can do about that. So we'll be back at One Buck Place uh, today and, and uh, probably have a chance to talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and some others, of course, uh, about the upcoming game against um, what is a pretty good Washington team and Alex Smith, who does not turn the ball over, but that's okay because the Bucks don't get turnovers anyway. So nothing nothing has to give, as they say. Wouldn't that be okay. crazy if all of a sudden Alex Smith turns it over like three <laughs> yeah, times? He throws it five of them, yeah. It's going to be – yeah, right. We know nothing about college fo- – about pro football. Here's what I know about Alex Smith, and it doesn't hold true. So Matt Baker joins us now. And, uh, Matt, uh, the Florida Gators, I thought, had a good opportunity maybe to bounce back a little bit. You know, they got a home game against Mizzou. Um, you know, good quarterback on the other side of the field. But nonetheless, you know, on their way to a pretty good season – Get a little momentum back. Eh, what what happened over there, man? <laughs> well, a couple of things happened, Rick. Um, first of all, is um, I, I'm beginning to think they they weren't as good as they looked against LSU and at times early on. I don't know if they're as bad as they looked the last couple of games. I mean, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. But sure. I, I kind of think um, they play they punched above their weight early on, and now they've regressed. Um, the offensive line is a mess. Like we've known that for a while. It's been a problem for a while. I mean, that goes back honestly to how Muschamp um, recruited there at the end. He left McElwain at one point. I think in the hit McElwain's first spring, they had like seven healthy um, offensive linemen on scholarship or something absurdly low like that. And the, the line is is still a mess. Um, Mullen was asked about it this week and basically said, "We're playing the best five guys. That's what we got. So that's what we're rolling with." Um, I mean, the big thing, of course, is Felipe Franks um, had one of the worst games of his career. Um, there were throws that he missed against some of it's the line, but also there's, you know, this is just kind of who Felipe Franks is. Um, on the other side, uh, Gators defense got out of gaps, you know, uh, did some of, some of those kind of silly mental things, which led Mizzou to gash him in the run game. And then Drew Locke, you know, looked like a first a future first round pick. You know, I think it was completed 75 percent of his passes for three touchdowns. Also, they didn't get any turnovers and didn't do well enough in the red zone on either side. And their special teams weren't very good. Did I cover everything? I think that's about it, right? I think you cover. I mean, that's how you lose. <laughs> you just painted a picture. <laughs> you know, they did nothing well. And, you know, there's, and I know that it's the first year, you know, in a new program, so to speak. But I do think there's something about kids and college programs. And, um, you know, they had a, a, an enormous game against Georgia, which probably yep. a year or so ahead of schedule, right? Because if they win that, they got a good shot at playing, you know, in the SEC um, championship. Um, sure. But when you lose that, the carrot is not that there's nothing to play for, but the carrot is sort of removed. And I and I didn't I didn't hear the question that that was asked necessarily of Monk of uh, of uh, the Gators coach. But I mean, I guess that's sort of what you deal with is the emotions and and the preparedness of of guys who think maybe this game isn't as big as the one we played last week. Yeah, there's definitely the the letdown factor after losing a game like that. Again, not being you know they, they were in it for the fourth quarter, but then it, it kind of got out of hand or into the fourth quarter, I should say. I, I think the most kind of disconcerting thing, if I'm a Gators fan, that I've heard in the last you know a week or so, go back to Kentucky, and one of the things that the players said was. Basically, we didn't take them seriously enough. You know, we, we thought we're Florida. We, we got the Gators on, on our uniforms. They're just Kentucky. 
we can you know cakewalk in and do this and of course they didn't and then we heard something similar uh, on saturday with mizzou we go in thinking we, we got this and then we don't that's a disconcerting thing for, you know for it to happen once then oh, okay maybe but you think if it happens a second time you learn your lesson and get kind of knocked down a peg right but it i mean so, so for that problem to, to occur again, again, it's not like Mizzou is terrible. I mean, they hadn't won in the SEC, but they were still a decent team, top 40, top 50 in a lot of metrics. Again, first-round uh, pick at, at quarterback, probably. That That's where I would be concerned if I'm a Gator fan. And, and the other side of this equation, too, is it's not like the Gators have been great lately. I mean, it's a program that has not been in the national championship, legitimately in the national championship conversation for a while. They just went four and seven last year, and suddenly then they're still feeling kind of entitled, like, oh, we got this, we can walk in. Man, that's a concerning thing about the culture that uh, Mullen left behind and that uh, he still has and that he needs to fix. No doubt. And, of course, you know, you mentioned the quarterback play. I mean, Kyle Trask came in and played okay in relief of, of Franks. Um, you know, of course, they've, they've been using Emory Jones at times. Mullen won't say how they're going to use their quarterbacks, but if you had to guess, do you think he makes some kind of change now? It's really – I don't have a great read on it because it. Mullen keeps saying it's the same thing, it hasn't changed, but it's not the same thing. I mean, he said a couple different times, including uh, nine days ago as we record this, that – Felipe Franks didn't have a short leash. He had a long leash. Nothing was changed there. He's the guy. And then he benches him in the third quarter against Mizzou. Um, Franks is still number one on the depth chart, but that doesn't mean anything. I, I guess I'm saying if if Mullen really wanted to stand behind Franks, he could certainly do that publicly. And, and for a quarterback who has battled kind of confidence issues in the past, I mean, he said straight up last year I hit an all-time low he could stand behind him and say, look, he's our guy. We believe in him. Give him that kind of public vote of confidence that maybe could be enough to, to help him go. But he, but he's not. Um, so I don't know what to, to make of that, what to read into that. Um, I do know that uh, Kyle Trask has had chances a couple different times now over a couple different years to unseat Felipe and become the starter, and he hasn't. Um, so I don't know if that's a situation of his skill set, if it's um, – mindset or, or what but you know let's face it Felipe Franks is very talented uh physically you know there's some other he's not a finished product by any means and again we saw Saturday that he struggled but he's physically a better quarterback than Kyle Trask and I don't know if if Trask can unseat him can I ask you one quarterback question here Rick? absolutely sure I love quarterbacks uh, yeah um so let's shift gears here because you you cover a different team in this state that has some quarterback issues I saw a quarterback Saturday who I think was 24 for, for uh, 32, three touchdown passes, moved past some guys named Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, and Peyton Manning in SEC history. One of the teams wow. in attendance to watch, said Missouri quarterback Drew Locke, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, there were some, mm-hmm. of course, some other uh, NFL prospects on that field, but um, you think the Bucs might have been uh, looking ahead at quarterbacks a little bit for the, for the draft? Well, they should. Um, I don't know, you know, ultimately what will happen with Jameis. My, my theory is is that Winston will be here next year and it may be under a new head coach, but I think he'll be here either way. But uh, that would not preclude them from, from drafting a guy now. You know, where are they going to finish? How high? Where is, where is he going to go? That's all questions that have to be answered. But they should be 
You should always look at the quarterback position anyway. I mean, Fitzpatrick is, you know, 35 to 36 years old almost, and, 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 and he literally doesn't know if he's playing year to year. He's at a point where he has right. to talk to his family and make that decision. So, look, I mean, that guy's going to be a good quarterback someplace. I think he's going to be drafted probably pretty high because it's not a great quarterback class next year, and yep. he would probably be at or near the top of it. So he's going to make some money um, as, you know, there's some good defensive ends, Bosa and some other people in the draft that are that are going to absolutely be, you know, top five picks. So who's to say exactly where he would go? But right now the Bucks are sitting here with three wins. So yeah, I think they they should. They're, like you said, there's a lot of players on that field, and um, you know, as Marge Shot once said about why do we need scouts? All they do is watch games. That's sort of like you know, yeah. that's so your job is to go is to go scout some talent. And Missouri and and Florida, I'm sure, had some NFL prospects on the field, but. Specifically, you bet they should be looking at quarterbacks because, Lord knows, they haven't figured it out here in forever. Um, Correct. You know, it's just just that's the nature of things. So, um, anyway, the Gators, uh, South Carolina, and and speaking of quarterbacks, uh, South Carolina has a guy that's kind of been up and down himself in uh, in Jake Bentley. So, we'll see how it plays out uh, as far as that goes. And uh, so, it should be an interesting game. And then we got now the other, uh, you know, the the game that. Normally would be a marquee game, uh, and I still think it's a marquee game. I do too, Rick. Is is <laughs> is because of the brands? Is Florida State at Notre Dame, which is uh, not a, a common occurrence, especially uh, in South Bend. I know that when Notre Dame scheduled this, they probably expected a much tougher opponent, and I'm sure Florida State uh, didn't expect to be in the first year under Willie Taggart. All that said, um, kind of give me a background about like how how Florida State would be approaching this because this has the potential of being a great opportunity or a really big embarrassment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know if there's a middle ground there. Um, it's, it's, it, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't see uh, Florida State. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, so the way I'm looking at it, if I'm Florida State, they, they have to win kind of an, an ugly game um, I, because sure. I mean, look, Florida State's defense is still really good. Um, they're very good against the mm-hmm. run. Brian Burns is one of the better pass rushers in the country still. They've still got plenty of talent on that side of the ball. And as rough as they have been this year, and they have been very rough, don't get me wrong, their defense, I think, is good enough to hang with a lot of teams. Um, so I, I think if their road to success, if there is one, they're going to have to force turnovers. Um, they're going to have to pressure Ian Book and make him force some mistakes and try and make it a four-quarter game somehow. I don't think that's going to happen because Notre Dame's defense is pretty good in its own right. And, and more importantly than that, FSU's offense just hasn't shown much of anything all year. I mean, particularly running. Uh, the, the run- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Game has just been inept and they don't know who's going to play quarterback either, whether it's going to be James Blackman, whether it's going to be DeAndre Francois. So, yeah, they're still a mess. It, like you said, it is a great opportunity because Notre Dame is still a top three team, certainly on track for the playoff. We'll see what happens 
Saturday, and then we'll see what happens with their last two games against Syracuse and USC. Um, so, yeah, it's a great opportunity. It's a marquee environment. I mean, it's going to be kind of a, one of those weird, beautiful Indiana nights where it's going to be really cold and maybe some snow or some icy stuff in there. And well, they, cool. they have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I I agree. Uh, what an first, atmosphere to be part of. One of my first memories of, of college football, or really anything, Rick, I was uh, I would have been six years old watching Notre Dame, Penn State in the snow. My oh, dad wow. was a, a Notre Dame wow. alum, so that's kind of one of the first things wow. that jumps out is how those helmets and uniforms looked uh, looked in the snow. Mm. So it, it's it's going to be still a really cool, very special environment for the for the people up there and for FSU to have a chance to. Uh, to do something again i don't think they will but they have the opportunity that's kind of a willy taggartism right there do something um if florida state does as expected and doesn't be notre dame it doesn't get easier for them right they got boston college who was ranked and then and then they play florida so their wins their winning may be over at this point i mean i i don't see a win left on their schedule i don't either now Maybe Boston College. I mean, A.J. Dillon, sure. BC's best player, has been banged up. I think he's still kind of day-to-day questionable. I think it's an ankle injury. So maybe if he's not 100%, again, maybe they can kind of muck it up and make it an ugly game. Um, but as we're sitting here right now, no, I don't see another win on that schedule. Because Again, remember, FSU has to win two of those three to make it to a bowl. Yeah. I I don't see it happening. Um, we we live in a world in which it is a human possibility that it could indeed happen. These are still nineteen year old kids who do stupid things and and weird things happen. But if you're asking me right now, no, I think the bull streak is dead at thirty six. Yeah, it's a tough year for Florida State fans for sure. Um, and uh, you know, even going back to Florida, their, their attendance wasn't so great at that Missouri game either. By the way, which is kind of surprising to see. Just a bad year in Florida football, I'm just telling you. And that brings us to USF. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's a segue that the Bulls are going to love you. Yeah, about right. Speak, speaking, speaking of uh, bad football of late, anyway, they're at Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, um, I look at their schedule and I still think, of course, it's not their fault. They're in the American Athletic Conference, but I don't think they've been tested yet. Um, did you, I, would, I would give USF a puncher's chance, certainly, in this game at, at Cincinnati. Yeah, but they better have fixed that defense in particular. I mean, the the defense has True. not been been good, and you know they uh, USF just got lit up by Tulane, which is not exactly a a great no. team. They can do some some things with the run game with with Willie Fritz, um, who uh, I think would be in the mix as the new Kansas head coach. Just to briefly throw that out there, call my shot, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but again, just kind of look at how USF's defense has been the last couple of games. Gave up 30 points to a terrible UConn team, 57 to a good Houston team that ended up losing to SMU, and then 41 last week to Tulane at home. So their defense is a mess. And on the other side, Cincinnati's got to believe the number six scoring defense in the country. So yeah, USF definitely has a puncher's chance, but they better have figured out that defense because otherwise, you know, Luke Fickle and those guys up in Cincinnati are going to they're going to put up more points on him again. I don't know how to ask this question without just asking it, but is the bloom off the uh the Charlie Strong rose at this point and and w- would he be looking to make changes at some point on his staff or otherwise in order to to make this better? I think 
there's a lot starting more with the defense. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna you know? he's gonna have to do something with the defense. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and again, that that was his calling card in the past, and it hasn't been good, and it wasn't good enough at Texas either. He he is right. gonna have to make some changes. Uh, I, it's it's weird. Charlie's just in a weird situation because he has done by by any measure he has done a good job at USF. I mean, sure. they're they're seven and two this year. Um, had a successful season last year. They were in the mix to, uh, you know, to play for the conference championship till till the very end. Finished ten and two. So what is it? Seventeen and, and four. But it doesn't feel like it's really seventeen and four. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy when, when you know when Charlie came in. I, I think a lot of people saw this as a chance to quickly rebuild himself and then try to get up to a yeah. power five job again. And I think that's probably that's ultimately right. his his goal. And I wouldn't blame him for that so i don't know what his future is uh, i mean if, if as long as he stays here yeah he's gonna have to fix the defense but what would he be in the mix at kansas would, would or maryland there? um well let I me mean, throw one out for you how about the way things are going right now with bobby petrino could louisville ask him to come back <laughs> that would be an interesting one and actually in a lot of ways that would he would be a he would be a good fit at a maryland or louisville and i say that because Charlie, for, for his, you know, his, his team's underachieved at Texas. We know what he did at Louisville, and we know what he's doing at USF. The big thing I would say for him is he runs a clean program. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that question that. At Texas, he cleaned things up. The, the teams didn't get in as, as many problems and off-the-field stuff. So I, I think if you're a Maryland or a Louisville, both programs need that. I mean, <laughs> just the, all the stuff that DJ Durkin – and, and the football program was going up there. That's just a dumpster fire. You need somebody to clean it, and if you can win some games in there, then then great. And same with Louisville, which has just been a—I mean, they've just been like a train wrecking into a series of dumpster fires with everything in their athletic department, from the AD to to Petrino to to Rick Pitino, um, everything else. So both of those need kind of a steadying force who's respected, who can get the program back up to stable and then again if you, you hope you win some games on top of that too i think charlie would be a guy who could could do that at either place if he's interested and I, I don't know that those are the two that would that would jump out to him but um i, I think his future going forward is, is a very interesting thing because i could see it going any number of things to where he's at usf for the long term and has to make some immediate changes to he's leaving after this year from Petrino to Patino, I think that's somehow there's a book in there. I don't know what the title would be, but that sounds pretty good. All right, so the big national games, uh, and one I'm focused on in particular, Ohio State's uh, playing at Michigan State. Uh, this game's in Landover, and you know I've been reading about the Buckeyes and the fact or, or the belief that there's just something a little off, you think, about yeah. the Ohio State football program. Look, I think it was off with this whole Urban Meyer stuff and, and the suspension and the reason that came about in the first place. Do you get a feeling or is there a feeling in college football that, that, that something may happen here with Ohio State or with Urban uh, at the end of this season? Yeah, I, I think I think something's happening. Um, when he came out last week and did, the, did a bunch of interviews about his health, I could I didn't fig, I couldn't figure out what to read into that. Whether that was a I'm fine recruits don't listen to people talking negative. If that was a I'm fine Cleveland Browns, I could absolutely be in the mix and I would do great things with Baker Mayfield. 
or somewhere in the middle, or it could just be he wants to, you know, he's not looking past anything other than right now and trying to, to help his program. Um, I get the feeling that something's going to happen. It's if you look at the parallels between what happened at Florida and what's happening now at Ohio State, I don't think he's long for up there, I guess is what I'm saying, because he, he burns so very, very hot. And that works when you're winning, but at a certain point, you, you start to burn out. And I, sure. I think that happens when you start losing and, and and you can't handle it. And right now you can see some of the cracks there. You know, they barely beat Nebraska last week. Uh, obviously got, uh, you know, torched by, by Purdue. They're, mm-hmm. for as talented as they are, they're not playing up to their potential. And I would imagine that's kind of uh, wearing on Urban. And I would not be surprised at all if he ended up leaving. Or again, it could be something like... Uh, like at Florida, where he tries to come back again, and then it's mm-hmm. it's just not working out. So, and that that would be one of the more interesting job openings in, in the country too, in terms of who could be in the mix up there. Oh yeah, that's that's a a golden opportunity for somebody if it if it comes open. So, do you like Michigan State with a chance of uh, the upset? I don't like either of those teams, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's got to win. Maybe I, not. I, I, Maybe it's a tie. I mean, I, I guess somebody has to win. I I think I like Ohio State because they still have more talent, and I do not trust Sparty at all. Yeah, um, I but I don't feel very good about it. I, again, I just yeah. think Ohio State has so much talent. They have so much potential. Dwayne Haskins early on was playing at such a high level. I think yeah, usually, yeah. usually talent wins out. Um, what's going to be interesting right. for me, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I don't know how... It might be time for Urban to take a little bit of a step back and let kind of the Ryan Day, who was the interim coach while he was gone, do a little bit more because the off. I mean, they were playing better sure. under Ryan Day than they are Urban. So I, I don't know what all is going on there, but I, I guess I like Ohio State to win, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, and uh, none of Matt's picks are uh, guaranteed, by the way, in case this uh, is definitely not to the podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> What other games in the nation uh, make any sense to you as a viewer of college football that you uh, would want to pay attention to? Yeah. um, Bama, Mississippi State. Um, Again, I don't think Mississippi State's going to hang with Bama. I don't think any team can hang with Bama. But Mississippi State has a great defense. That's a fun defense to watch. Um, So I'm curious to see how Bama's offense is going to be able to attack that. Um, Obviously, Northwestern Iowa. Of course, at mm-hmm. 3.30 is the, the biggest game of all because my alma mater, which lost to Akron, could still... I mean, they're the favorites in the Big Ten West? Question mark? They are. So, yeah, I mean, I that's one that I'm that I'm interested in just for, for selfish reasons because it's amazing to me that a team that could be as bad as Northwestern has been at times this year could actually win the division in a major conference. Uh, Georgia Auburn, of course, is, is always interesting. I think Georgia yep. will win. They've got more talent, but no, we, we saw what happened with with Auburn last year. And, and then the, the the biggie, the night one, Clemson Boston College. Clemson, we know how talented they are. I mean, I think they're the only team that might have a prayer against Bama. Um, but they're at Boston College uh, at night. BC hasn't had a game this big in probably a decade. Again, Boston College. Has a has some talent. They're they're going to be Clemson's uh, toughest test, maybe so far, one of them at least. And, and I, I don't Clemson Clemson could slip up, and I wouldn't be terribly surprised. But if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen to BC. 
That's a good one tonight. I, pretty clear by now, I think, that Dabo Sweeney made the right choice as far as his quarterback goes. They now have a yeah. down-the-field passing attack. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has done great things with him. And I, I saw some stats today. Since Trevor Lawrence, they've been – uh, their offense has been just slightly worse than than Bama's and uh, overall this year. He's yeah, he made the right decision. Um, Kelly <laughs> Kelly Bryant, the Clemson quarterback who left, his uh, transfer destination, that whole recruiting process is is going to be fascinating as it's playing out. I mean, Arkansas was a school that I think a lot of people thought he would go to because Chad Morris, the coach there, is the uh, the one who recruited him or was recruiting him at Clemson. There's some other schools that would be in the mix. I, like I would think Florida might want to look into that because Kelly Bryant could do uh, very well in Mullen's system. But the other name that's come out here lately is Miami. Um, Miami, their quarterback situation wasn't very good last year and has gotten worse this year. What we've seen yeah. from Nikosi Perry, I don't know that he's a long-term answer. Again, it's it's too early and it's silly to, to give up on a guy who's, who's still that young. But he hasn't ran away with things, I guess I'd say. Um, so no. Miami could be in the mix for a grad transfer quarterback who could help them immediately and kind of silence the critics on, on Mark Richt. And Kelly Bryant would be a really intriguing option there. That is. that is. I like, let's, let's keep that rumor going, Matt. That's a good one. Hurricane <laughs> fans would be happy to have that one. He's going to get a just, lot of offers. Let's put it that way. He is. And, and just quickly, it's, it's crazy to me how here we are. We're recording on November 7th. I don't know what the quarterback situation is like now or later at Florida, Florida State, or Miami. All three of them are messes. Yeah. Now, well, then that's probably why all three of those teams are not playing very good football, and it doesn't matter what level you're talking about. If the quarterback situation isn't settled, you're probably not going to win very consistently. So, Hey, Matt, question for you on the college football playoff. Yes. And it's way too early to know for sure because college football is crazy. Yep. But if Georgia beats Bama – Notre Dame wins out, Clemson wins out, Michigan wins out, Oklahoma wins out. What four of those six teams are you taking? Georgia, or I'm sorry, um, Clemson and Notre Dame, your undefeated guys, they, they get in. That's That, that one's easy. Uh, I would think at that point, Georgia and Bama. I don't feel great about saying that. I, I think Bama's just been so dominant mm-hmm. this year that they're going to be it's going to be hard for the committee not to pick them. I, I, again, I don't Agreed. read a lot into the rankings that have come out because they're incomplete and they're kind of guesswork and it's done for ESPN more than it is – and practice more than it is anything else. But the fact that LSU only fell to, I think, seventh tells me that they view LSU and Bama the same way that I do, which is, yeah, Bama kicked the crap out of LSU because Bama is going to kick the crap out of everybody. Mm-hmm. So until something happens for them to change their mind there, and even if it's you know if it's a close Bama loss to Georgia by a field goal or something, Bama has been at another level all year. So I would think they would still be able to, to get in. And then um, yeah, I would think that's the four. But again, we'll see how Oklahoma does. They've got chances. Um, they've got West Virginia remaining, and then presumably another game against West Virginia in the Big Twelve title game. I think it could still work out where. OU could play Texas again and have a chance to avenge that loss that they had in Red River. So there's still a, a lot going on, and there's a bunch of those scenarios. But I, I guess I'm saying I would be very surprised if Bama's not in the playoff, even if they were to slip up to Auburn or Georgia. It's an interesting situation because in the past with the committee, it's always been a debate of who's earned the four spot, not who do you keep out of the four spot. 
if if, if that if yeah. that scenario happens where you potentially have six teams that could make their case. Yeah, I mean, but I don't. This is college football, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be that simple. I mean, I would not be surprised at all if OU again. I think OU is really, really good. Kyler Murray is mm-hmm. a very fun player to watch. It's a shame we're not going to be able to watch him on on Sundays in the NFL because he's doing the baseball thing. Cause he's already getting paid five mil by the A's. So uh, OU is really good, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Will Greer and the Mountaineers beat them once, maybe twice. Um, Notre Dame, they've got Syracuse here, and not this week, but next. Syracuse is decent, maybe, or, mm-hmm. or at least pretty good. They, that one could be tricky. So there's a lot there's a lot of chaos left in this season left. I don't know where it's coming from, but, it, but there, it's coming. Don't worry. What case does West Virginia have if they beat Oklahoma twice? I think they would have a strong case. Their, their loss to Iowa State was not good, but again, they, they will have beaten OU twice. They beat Texas at Texas. Um, the unfortunate thing for West Virginia is their best non-conference game was going to be against uh, North Carolina State, top 30-ish team, um, but that got hurricaned out, so that kind of hurts their standing a little bit, but I, they they would be in the discussion. I don't know that they would get in. I guess you know it always depends on what happens everywhere else. But they would be in the mix and certainly deserve to be in the mix. Well, the one thing about college football is it's still unpredictable, and uh, we'll have another exciting week this week. And Matt Baker, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again. You got it. Thanks, Rick. So when we talked to Matt, uh, it was a little bit earlier in the afternoon, and then uh, since then, some uh, some tough injury news for the Florida Gators and their quarterback Kyle Trask. Apparently, he uh, suffered a uh, lower body non-contact injury and had to be carted off, right, Steve? Yeah, he had to be carted off the field. 24-7 sports reporting it was a lower body extremity. Again, it was non-contact injury at practice. Mm. So, obviously, that leaves him in doubt to play uh, Saturday against North- South Carolina. So, it uh, looks like Felipe Franks, uh, you know, assuming the injury is as bad as maybe we're thinking it is, uh, looks tough. like Felipe Franks will be the starter. Yeah, Trask actually played pretty well when he went in for Franks, and there was some talk that maybe he was going to be the quarterback in this game. When you hear non-contact, I, I immediately think of ACL. Uh, you mentioned earlier Achilles mm-hmm. is, is certainly a, a, a good guess. Now, he missed all uh, of last season with a foot injury. Sure. You know, it could be well, a might be related to that, that or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But it certainly sounds like something that uh, we won't see him maybe uh, for the rest of the season, which is too bad. And uh, I don't know what his – Red shirt statuses and all that, I guess. Well, he's a red uh, shirt sophomore, so he's already used a red shirt. So. Yeah, so he's done there. So, yeah, that's that's unfortunate for him. Um, also, now you've got the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning back in action tonight against the New York Islanders, a surprising Islanders, right? Well, yeah, they lose John Tavares to free agency to the Maple Leafs, and then they have uh, new management, Lou Lamorello running everything, and Barry Trotz is the coach who obviously beat the Lightning last year in the Eastern Conference Finals coaching the Capitals. So the Islanders surprisingly on top of the Metro Division at this point. Um, you know, and, and Brian Engblom on Wednesday night was saying that, you know, you know, first of all, Barry Trotz is going to make them more responsible and, and, and disciplined and, and that as a team. But – you know, losing John Tavares, I think it it's kind of made a lot of their players a little hungrier to prove that hey, we weren't just a one person team, and we've got good talent here, and we're good. And, you know, Matthew Barzal last year, one of the top rookies. Uh, Anders Lee's on the team. Valtteri Filppula's on the team, former Lightning player from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, that's uh, tonight at Amelie Arena. So Lightning, uh, the leading the hockey in points at this point. So. Amazing. Sometimes you can get better when you lose a superstar, and everybody else has to sort of. Uh, either not look for that guy or pick up the slack or what have you. So, 
Um, that'll be a good uh, a good matchup for them. Hey, we're here uh, every day, Monday through Friday, um, each and every week, and so we appreciate you guys joining us. As always, you can give us feedback uh, on on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com And remember, if you're like me, you're tired of those electric bills, folks. I'm going to tell you, you have to do this. Call May Electric Solar. Uh, you're going to get a 25-year warranty on all their equipment. They don't use subcontractors. You're going to save 90 to 95% off on your electric bill now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Um, big congratulations. Kevin Kiermeyer named the Wilson uh, Defensive Out Center Fielder of the Year. That's not the gold yeah, I- glove. I was going to say, like, it's not the platinum glove. It's not the no, gold glove. No, this it's is a, a Wilson, a Wilson award, glove, which Kiermaier won back in 2016 as well. Okay. Uh, so but he was limited around. to 88 games this year, but still won it over uh, Ender Inciarte of Atlanta, Jackie Bradley Jr. in Boston. Oh, um, he's so, really good. Mm-hmm. So, but Kiermaier well, named good, the good top defensive uh, player of the year for Wilson. Man, the dude, the dude can run some stuff down. There's no doubt he can play center field. I'm not so sure about the stick, but he's also got to figure out how to stay healthy out there and play more than, you know. 100 games one year, which would be nice. It would be. So maybe maybe 2019 will be his year. We don't know. And, Rick, we have some breaking news. The Rays look like they found a right-handed hitting catcher in Seattle's Mike Zunino. Reports are they're trading Malik Smith for him, plus outfielder Guillermo Heredia. Now, Malik Smith was one of three left-handed hitting outfielders, including Kiermaier and Austin Meadows that the Rays have. So that kind of clears up that, and they find a right-handed hitting catcher. Now, Zanino last year did not have a very good season. Only hit 201 with 150 strikeouts with 20 home runs and 44 RBIs. But the year before, he hit 251 with 25 home runs and 64 ribbies with an 840 OPS although he did fan 160 times. So looks like the Rays may have their right-handed catcher. Mark Topkin is on it. Nothing is completed at the time of this recording, but maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, Mike Zanino will be a uh, Ray, and looks like Malik Smith is heading to the Mariners. My thanks, uh, as always, for you guys listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you, of course, uh, tomorrow. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a good day, everybody. 